Jason basically just did my sermon, so I'm just going to say amen and pray us out and we can go eat some food. <laughs> Joking. Um, but you were spot on with um, very similar to what I'm wanting to share this evening. And this, this evening, as we look towards Christmas, um, this is all about Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. And so as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus, who is with us. And everything that God did, everything, the reason he came as a baby, everything he did on earth was all about being with us. Him giving up his life was to be with us. And so this morning, I want to look at this evening. I practiced this, guys. <laughs> when I was practicing, I was like, this evening, say this evening. Okay, tonight... Um, I want to look at the story of the wise men, and I'm hoping that it's going to stir in us the same response that they had to Jesus, which was to seek him and to give him their worship, to humbly come before him and worship him. And so we find this story in Matthew 2, verse 1 to 12. It's called Visitors from the East. And it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And so this story has always intrigued me because I'm like, who are these men that have come? Like there's the, the nation of Israel and we know that they are waiting for this Messiah, and they've got all these prophecies that are hundreds of years old, and they all know about this Messiah that's coming. But who are these men, and how do they know? Why are they coming to worship a king that's not even a part of their nation? Like, uh, how do they even know that he's, that he's coming, and what is the star that they see? And so I've had a lot of fun looking into this over the last couple of weeks, and it's most likely that these men were from the area of Persia, and they would have known about God because of Daniel and his friends. You might know the story of Daniel in the lion's den and how God miraculously saved him. And so he's thrown into this lion's den where many people have been killed before, and yet he spends a whole night and he doesn't get touched. And so at that time, those people were all amazed. The nation is amazed, and they're like, what? Like, this must be an incredible God. And they hear the story, these stories of, of how this God had saved Daniel gets passed down. And so they're in, they're in the area of Babylon because they got, um, the, the nation was conquered and they were exiled into Babylon, which then was taken over by Persia. And so this is how it's, these stories are spread in Persia because of Daniel. It's, you might also know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were also in that area, um, who also got saved miraculously by God. And so they thrown into a fiery furnace. The soldiers that threw them in get burnt up, but yet they walk out not even smelling like smoke. Imagine the stories that must spread. Like, wow, there's this God. Did you hear about that time? These people were thrown in. We saw it with our own eyes. And yet, there's this God that does miracles. There's this God that is amazing. And so these stories are spread down from generation to generation. They would have also possibly known the prophecies of Daniel. He, in his book, 
he's, he prophesies about the Messiah coming. And in Daniel 9, he actually gives a bit of a timeline to when the Messiah is meant to be born. And so they would have had access to this information. <clears throat> and so the wise men understood that there was this incredible God who did incredible things, and there were prophecies hundreds of centuries old about a Messiah that was going to come. This God was going to send a savior, a king, to rule his people. Um, astrology was also big in that area, and so they would have been studying the stars, and I don't know what they saw, but they saw something in the stars that maybe reminded them of these prophecies. And look, the timeline kind of worked out, and they were like, could it be? Could it be that the Messiah that's been prophesied, this amazing God that we've heard these stories about, is actually coming? He's actually sending the Savior? They could have also been familiar with um, the prophecy of the um, pagan prophet Balaam. So I don't know if you, if you know that story of Balaam that was sent to go and curse Israel, and yet then his donkey talks to him, and then he ends up turning around, and Anyway, he ends up actually prophesying and blessing the nation of Israel instead of cursing them. And part of that, he, he prophesies about the coming Savior. And in Numbers 24, he actually talks about a star that will rise from Jacob and a scepter that will emerge from Israel. So a king that's coming. And so maybe they saw this phenomenon in the sky and thought, wait, I remember something about a star and a prophecy, and wait, there's a timeline. We don't know the exact story, but somehow these men saw something, and it stirred in them a desire to go and see this king, to go and to worship this king. We don't even know if they experienced God firsthand. They could have only heard stories, and yet it stirred them to go and to seek him, to go thousands of kilometers to seek a king that they possibly only heard stories about. How much more this Christmas should we be seeking God? Church, we've seen him firsthand. We've seen his goodness in our lives. We've seen who he is. We have access to his presence, real life access to his presence every day. Can we seek this God this Christmas? And so I want to say today that Christmas is an invitation to seek his presence. Christmas is a time where we can actually set focused time aside to take time out to actually celebrate God or celebrate God and who he is. It's an invitation to his presence. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus came to be with us. And so our response at Christmas is to be with him, to seek him, to worship him, and to be with him. And so when the wise men first um, arrived, they went to Jerusalem thinking, okay, maybe this is where the king is going to be born because he's obviously from the line of the, you know, the royal line. But they didn't find him there. And we see King Herod's response in verse 3. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd of my people. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. But if we carry on with the story, we see that that's actually not his plan. He didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him. And so he actually orders that all babies under the age of two are murdered. And what I find confusing with the story is why he calls, he actually calls all the leading priests and the teachers of religious law together. And he asks them, when is the baby supposed to be born? Where is the baby meant to be born? They would have had access, they would have been studying the prophecies. They would have been studying everything to do with the Messiah. And yet they didn't go and find him. They didn't make any effort to go search for him. It wasn't, they didn't go and look for him. And yet these men that might not even have had an experience with God traveled thousands of kilometers to seek him because of what they saw. And I have to ask myself, why? Like, why, why weren't they excited? Why weren't they expectant? Why weren't they waiting? And my thoughts, or my, my opinion, is that maybe, maybe firstly, they were arrogant. Maybe they thought if the, if the king of, if God was going to come and send the Messiah, surely he would tell us first. I mean, we're the priests, okay? We're the leading priests. We're the, we're the religious people. We're the the main manner, like God would obviously reveal it to me, to us, you know, but he didn't. He revealed it to, to these wise men from the east. And then I'm thinking, why? And it makes me think maybe from the very beginning, God wanted us to know that salvation is for everyone, that it's not just for the pastors or the preachers or that it is for everyone. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It is for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. And so he revealed himself first to the wise men. And then he sent a host of angels to, to shepherds, not to the religious rulers of the time, but to shepherds to announce his, his son being born because salvation is for everyone. Or maybe, maybe they were very happy with their position. They liked the attention they got. Maybe they were, were more into the scriptures for the status that it gave them and the um, attention that it gave them than they were actually wanting to find Jesus. Maybe they wanted religion more than they actually wanted to find the Messiah. And then I've got to ask myself, especially around Christmas time, Am I more into Christmas than I am into Christ? Am I more into what's happening? Like, do, even with church, am I enjoy, do I enjoy the community it brings and the, like being, the belonging, being a part of something? Or do I enjoy Jesus more? So after this interview, we go on in chapter 9. He says, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it came time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so they had met the one they recognized as the king of the Jews and the fulfillment of prophecy. And they worshipped him and they presented him with gifts. And so I want to look at these gifts that they gave the wise men. Anyone enjoy receiving gifts? Yes. Anyone like giving gifts? Yeah, I like both. I like giving gifts and I definitely like receiving gifts. Um, you know, the one Christmas, I said to Reese, like, we don't have much money, don't worry. Like, let's not do gifts for ourselves. Like, we'll just do gifts for the kids, you know, save money. But I didn't really mean it, you know. <laughs> we say these things, but what I'm actually saying is just surprise me. Like, <laughs> and he didn't. He literally didn't buy anything because I told him not to. I bought him something because I could not buy something. But that, that Christmas, our kids were still small, and they were horrified that all the stockings were filled except for their mothers. How could Santa have forgotten to bring, to drop mommy's present? They were very upset. And so now, even if I say, listen, we don't have money, Reese still surprises me <laughs> with something. <laughs> gifts are definitely a love language. Okay, um, so I want to look at these gifts. These gifts that the wise men brought were very different gifts. They weren't a usual gift for uh, a baby's birth or a, a baby shower. There was no bottles or nappies or cute little fluffy things, they brought gifts that were worthy of a king. And so the first gift they brought was gold for royalty. And this was because Jesus is our king. Gold for royalty because Jesus is our king. Gold is a gift that you would give a king. And a king is a ruler or a leader. He makes the rules. He makes, um, he governs a country and Jesus doesn't just govern a country, he is the king of all kings. He's our king, he's our ruler. And so what does this mean for us, that Jesus is a king? It means that we are now part of a new kingdom, that with Jesus' birth didn't just come a, a prophet that came to, to tell us of something, it wasn't just a leader that came to set a nation free, it is a king that came to lead and to rule us, to be a part, to bring in, to usher in a new kingdom. And this kingdom is different to the kingdom of this world. The culture of this kingdom is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. That's the culture of this new kingdom. And this kingdom isn't just any kingdom. It's a kingdom that's going to last forever. And so this is the story of hope that we see in Christmas. The fact that no matter what's happening around us, we can look today at the world around us and be despondent by leaders or be despondent by crime or be despondent with what's happening in the world, but yet we can have hope. We can have hope this Christmas because our king was born, a king that ushered in a new kingdom so that we can be part of a kingdom that has hope, that has life, where there is joy, where there is um, going to be a time where there's going to be no more hurts and no more pain, a kingdom that we get to be a part of. And so when we celebrate Christmas, it's not just the birth of a baby, but it's the birth of our king. And we can have hope because we're part of something bigger, a kingdom that will last forever. Isaiah 9 that Jason read earlier, verse 6 to 7, says, For a child is born to us, 
a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. This is our king, our king that is going to rule forever. We don't have to, if you might be sitting here today thinking, sure, you don't know my life. This world is not peaceful. You don't know what I've been through. I want to tell you this morning, this evening, that you can have hope in Jesus because he is your king and he has come to bring peace to all men. He has come to bring hope, to bring joy. And we can celebrate in that today. This is good news. It is a message of hope. Secondly, they brought frankincense. Frankincense for his divinity. Because Jesus is our God. Frankincense was like a white resin or gum that they got from the bark of a tree. And it was highly fragrant when it was burnt. And so they would use it, the priests would use it in worship to God. And so here at Jesus' birth, they're presenting him with frankincense, which is going to actually be used to worship him as, they, as the temple is built. And as the priests worship, they're going to be worshiping him, the very baby that they're giving this frankincense to. You see, this baby wasn't just a prophet or a good leader. This baby was God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. How incredible that our creator God, the king of kings, the creator of the world, the all-powerful, mighty God came down in a baby to be with us. So when we seek Jesus, we're not, um, we're actually putting ourselves in the presence of Jesus. And what, what is so incredible about this, that Jesus is our God that this baby is our God, is the fact that we can find joy and peace in his presence. Micah 5, verse 4 to 5, it's another um, prophecy about the Messiah, says, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. Not the source of peace for a nation, not a political peace, but an internal peace. And not just for one nation, but for all men. He was coming to bring peace for everyone. And this peace is available to us this morning because of God. Because Jesus is our God, when we're in his presence, he is the source of peace. And so I don't know what you're wanting this Christmas. You might be just needing a holiday and thinking, hey, if I could just go have an adventure, I'm going to feel great and ready for the next year, or if I can just get away and, and rest, or maybe if I can just get around people and have some fun, or maybe like the whole joy of Christmas will, will bring joy into our home, but that's not where joy or peace comes from. It's not about what's happening around you. It's about getting into God's presence. It's in God's presence where we find joy, where we find peace. And so this Christmas, if you find yourself lacking in joy, or you find yourself lacking in peace, or even in hope, I want to encourage you 
to, as we remember the, the, the gifts that the wise men brought, to think about the gift of frankincense and let it draw you into God's presence where you'll find the source of your joy and your peace, where you can find restoration, you can find hope, you can find calm for your mind as you give over your cares and your worries to God. He, he fills you with peace. He fills you with hope. He fills you with joy. But it's only in his presence because Jesus is our God. He is all-powerful. He's almighty. And it's in his presence where we can experience the things that we're actually looking for. And then thirdly, the gift of myrrh, to honor his sacrifice. Because Jesus is our savior. Myrrh was a spice that they used to embalm bodies when they were, were getting it ready for burial. And it's a spice they used to embalm Jesus' body. And so the gift of myrrh points us towards the purpose of his birth. And we can't celebrate Christmas without thinking about the reason that Jesus came. And so we celebrate his birth, but we also celebrate his death. Because he didn't come just to be in that moment. He came to be with us for eternity and to make it possible for us to be in relationship with him, to make it possible for us to be with him forever. And so at Christmas, we remember why Jesus came. Jesus came to sacrifice for you and for me, to wash away our sins so that we can have no guilt and no shame and so that we can be in right standing with God. Jesus, our Emmanuel, not only for now, but for all eternity. Christmas should generate a response of gratitude. Where we take time to think about who Jesus is, that Jesus is our King, and that we can have hope regardless of what's happening around us, because He is our King. He rules our lives. We can have hope because Jesus is our God. It can draw us into His presence where we can find joy and peace and rest for our souls. But also that Jesus is our Savior. The greatest gift of all was what he gave that first Christmas, salvation and hope restored. Jesus is our King, he's our Savior, he's our God, and he's our Savior. I want to end with Revelation, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up again. And we're going to take a bit of time just to, just to thank God and to give him our attention and our focus. As we leave here, things are going to get busy as we head into our homes and Christmas tomorrow and dinners. But I want to just take one more moment just to, to remember Jesus as our, as our God, as our King, as our Savior. And in Revelation 21, verse 3 to 4, it's John's prophecy of heaven or part of it, and he says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. See, everything God did was to be with us, but not just for a moment, to be with us for eternity. And he is going to be our God forever, and we will be his people. And so we can be filled with joy this season as we remember who God is and as we look forward to 
the more that God has for us and the more that he has with us and as we push in to be with him. Because Christmas is an invitation to seek his presence. So may you be filled with joy and peace in his presence this Christmas as you seek him. Let's pray and then we'll go. We're going to take a moment just to worship him a bit more.